What's cracking? We move into hour number two. Nice to have you here. I am Jim Rome. Welcome to the program. I am live. I'm in Southern California. Really quickly, telephone number is toll-free nationwide, 1-800-636-8686. If you are one of our listeners in Canada, that number works there, too. Hit me up on the X at Jim Rome. All right, as promised, we are joined right now by the head football coach at Arizona. He just wrapped up his third season last week. He previously served as an assistant coach at Miami, Michigan, and UCLA. He spent 13 years in the NFL as well as an assistant. Arizona had a huge year, coming off a season where they were 10-3 and overall, 7-2 and in the rugged Pac-12. They finished third in that conference. They beat Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl, and they finished up the season with seven straight wins. On top of that, he was a finalist for the Eddie Robinson National Coach of the Year Award. I'm talking, of course, about Jed Fish. He joins me via zoom jed great to have you on the show how are you thanks jim i appreciate it doing great great i appreciate you coming on really good to talk to you jed so you've done an amazing job in turning that program around completely from one win in 2021 to five wins last season to your program's first 10 win season since 2014 let me start right there what do you think were the biggest factors behind your team taking such a massive leap from last year to this year i think the biggest thing was that our guys didn't leave. Uh, we didn't have a lot of – we didn't lose more than one or two players in the transfer portal. We recruited a ton of high school kids uh, that became freshmen, sophomores, and then juniors. And um, we were able to keep the staff together. We had uh, nine out of our ten coaches uh, return for all three years. So I think when you do that and you have continuity and then you've been around some great coaches in the past, you know kind of how to – how to keep it together, and I think that's what we did best uh, most recently. You know, Jed, you're not the first guy to say that. Not many guys can say that because guys are looking to leave, but you're not the first one to say that. How is it then that you kept that whole thing together? How did you keep players from leaving and coaches from leaving, especially when you're having success? Yeah, you know, uh, it wasn't money, I can tell you that. We didn't have that. We don't have that compared to some of these other programs, but uh, – I think it was opportunity. One of the biggest things that we don't necessarily sell NIL, we sell NFL. And uh, what we do is we say things to the effect of, you know, we've got opportunities here that no one else has. And we've got chances to be able to come here and be around Bill Belichick. We have chances here to be around some of the great ones uh, in the business and in the profession. And I think that that really is one of the most important things that we can offer is the opportunity for guys to meet Sean McVay, meet Belichick, meet Pete Carroll, and really understand what it's like to be a part of an NFL program. And we try to be the 33rd NFL program. Wow. Jed Fish joining us. I love that so much. We don't sell NIL. We sell NFL. That said, as much as I love that line, you know that most people, including young people, want the immediate gratification. They want both, right? They want NIL and NFL. How do you get them to postpone that immediate gratification? Yeah, well, I think everybody, you know, everybody understands the importance of NIL and we're not uh, immune to it. And we don't not understand that there's certainly opportunities when you come to Arizona to receive it. Um, I think what it comes down to is trying to explain to them the balancing act of what real money really is and how it's going to work out for you in your future. And if you take, you know, maybe if you received less at one place but you receive more opportunity, that's going to benefit you far more than anything you could ever imagine. Uh, you get paid for how good you are. You get paid for how much you play. You get paid in the future 
for um, your opportunities, uh, whether you get drafted or how early you get drafted or what position you choose. So we try to explain to our guys and educate them that, hey, there's always going to be opportunities and we're going to make sure of that. And we're going to have a collective like everyone else has a collective and we're going to do all the things that everybody does. But are you willing to look past it? And are you willing to say what else is important? And we want to sell development. Our program's about development. We we signed 25 high school kids uh, or 28 high school kids a year ago, 31 the year before that, 19 this year, and uh, maybe six portal players this year, uh, maybe you know six or seven the year before. And we want people to say, hey, if we come to Arizona, we're going to get developed. Uh, guys that have, you know, coached and called plays in the NFL. I was an NFL coordinator, college coordinator, NFL quarterback coach, and uh, try to explain to them, hey, offensively, you're going to run a system that they run in L.A. Sean, what we do in the Rams, we do at Arizona. And defensively, we're going to run something very similar to what they do in Seattle. What Coach Carroll does in Seattle, we kind of do here. So that's kind of our pitch, and that's how we make it happen. We are talking to Arizona head football coach Jed Fish. So, Jed, I'm going to ask you something right now. And the first thing that's going to go through your mind is, did that guy not listen to a word I just said? And I heard everything you just said, but I want to ask you this. I can point to what you've done since you got there. I can point to your background. And I can point to the way you're coming off right now in a really, really good way. And it would seem to reason this is why when the season was coming to an end, your name was connected to a lot of big-time coaching openings to reassure nervous Arizona fans that you reportedly have not signed a new contract extension yet, is that something that's going to get done shortly? Is that where you want to be? Yeah, you know, it is. I appreciate you asking. I, I think right now we're just working through semantics to get this deal done. I think we're very, very close. We want to be done here very soon. And we want to be a part of this program for a long time. Um, I've moved a lot in this business to be able to uh, be here today to become a head coach in a power five program to win 10 games to be a top 15 team hopefully a top 10 and uh we've got 18 out of 22 returning starters next year so uh, i have no interest in going anywhere i have a lot of interest in uh seeing if we can get to that cfp and there's 12 teams in it next year uh, and I would love to have our team be part of it. I appreciate that. Chad Fish joining us. So you've got a really unique perspective on Monday's national championship game because you coached at Michigan and you faced Washington this season. So let me start with the Michigan side of things. You were part of Jim Harbaugh's original staff when he was hired at Ann Arbor. What was your biggest takeaway from your two years of working with him? Uh, uh, well, Jim's phenomenal. You could take so much away. I would say the number one thing you got to – you got to take away is his love for football is unmatched. Um, you could see it. You could smell it um, around them. I mean, he has an aura of just a passion for the game of ball. And uh, he lets his coaches coach. Uh, I was the quarterback coach and pass game coordinator and called the passes the first two years we were all together. And Jim was always, you know, the guy played quarterback for 14 years in the NFL. I think he came to one quarterback meeting. The first one I ran, and after that, I guess I got the blessing, and, and that was it. When it came to the offensive install, he was there every day, but never interrupted, let us keep coaching. And uh, I think Jim's Jim's greatest asset is he tries to hire good coaches, and he lets coaches coach, and uh, he is a leader of men. So uh, I'm, I can't wait to watch him. We're very close still. I think he's the coach of the year. 
And uh, without a doubt, what he did at Michigan with all the adversity that they've had to deal with over the last 12 months is just, uh, they're a really good team, man. Jed Fish joining us. Any of that self-imposed adversity, in your opinion? I think the, you know, there's so much to it. I don't know. I mean, like what happened and how it happened. And I mean, some of the rules, some of the things that might have occurred are pretty crazy. But I mean, what I what I do know is that they overcame all of it. And without being in their building, um, I wasn't there in 2020 during COVID and whatever that stuff happened. I wasn't there with any of the sign stealing discussions. Um, I don't know. I don't know this whole thing about sign stealing. I've never been a part of that. Um, I, I don't really know how to do it myself. If I was coaching against a team and a guy next to me told me they were going to run a certain coverage, I don't even think I could think fast enough to get it fixed. So, you know, I don't know. I guess it is what it is there. But I just think the way Jim handled this team and the way his players rallied around him, it makes for quite a story on uh, whatever Monday night and going against a really good Washington team who we played twice and lost by four and lost by seven in back-to-back years. Um, it's going to be an exciting game to watch. I love that game. Jed Fish joining us for a few more moments. So what about that matchup? As you point out, you played them tough twice. Michael Penix Jr. threw for 363 yards in the game this year. He was even better, Jed, against Texas in the Sugar Bowl. As you point out, you've coached quarterbacks. You've worked with plenty of really talented quarterbacks, both in college and in the NFL. What do you like best about Penix's game, and how good of a pro do you think he'll be? Yeah, uh, you know the thing with him. Uh, so we saw him, and um, and it, he made some big plays against us. We lost thirty-one twenty-four this year, and then a year ago, I think he, both quarterbacks threw for four hundred and fifty and five hundred yards. Uh, I think he threw for five hundred in the game two years ago. Um, but what you can see is he has incredible ability to be accurate uh, when he's outside the pocket, when he moves the pocket, um, he throws on great rhythm, and he knows how to anticipate throws i mean this guy gets the ball out of his hands and those receivers just run underneath that ball in like in pretty fashion and uh you know he's a very he's very much like tua in a lot of ways he reminds me a lot of tua probably because he's a lefty that's the easy way out um you know if i said he's like steve young and tua you'd be like wow you're really bright coach but uh he does he has that ability to to see the game get the ball out of his hands. He doesn't have to drive it faster than anybody else, although he did make a beautiful touchdown pass the other day against Texas, showing his arm strength. But this guy is accurate, and this guy anticipates, and he has great command of his offense. All right, so you've got a really intriguing matchup. Ultimately, I know you're not in the prediction business, but ultimately, what do you think this game comes down to, and do you have a strong lean either way? I think it's going to come down to turnovers. Um, I, I think neither team turns the ball. Neither team gives the ball away very much. And um, when Arizona, when Washington struggled um, at all this season, you know they had that tight game against ASU and a couple other games. It was really when they turned the ball over. I think if they don't turn the ball over, they're really difficult to stop. And Michigan uh, playing, they got the number one total defense in the country. If they can get after the quarterback and cause some takeaways, I think that's how you win the game. So it's going to come down to if Washington protects the ball, they're going to be tough to beat. 
If Michigan gets the takeaways, I think they'll win the game. Hey, Jed, one last thought. You talked at length about your program and what you have to offer and why guys are going there and why guys are staying there. It's kind of surreal in the sense that in the final year of its existence, the Pac-12 is going to be represented in the national title game. As you get ready to transition into a new conference, what has the new conference done or how has it impacted your recruiting? Yeah, I mean, it, it is surreal. I mean, I saw that the Pac-12 had the best bowl record. We were 5-3. and three. I mean, we wound up beating Oklahoma, who's going to the SEC. Washington ends up beating Texas, who's going to the SEC. Um, USC beat Louisville. I mean, it's it's crazy how, how it happened. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and we all have to deal with the changes that have occurred. Um, but I would say this. We get an opportunity to have more of a national landscape now. Uh, the Big 12 is really a national conference. They've got, we've got teams in Florida. We've got teams in Ohio. We've got teams in Texas. And uh, for Arizona, you know, I love our West Coast team. We're very much Hawaii, California operation. But the idea of being able to bring uh, some recruits uh, from Florida and Texas, I think, can really help, help our well and even make us a better team and uh, try to improve on our 10 wins of this year. I'll tell you what, the program's in such an amazing spot. Got a great, great leader, a great head coach, a finalist for the Eddie Robinson National Coach of the Year Award, and it's easy to see why. Jed, really appreciate you, really appreciate your time, and great to have you on the show. Jed, let's do it again soon. Let's do it. I love it, man. It's great to uh, great to talk to you, Jim. You too, Jed. Appreciate you very much. Jed Fish joining us, and this is why I said before he came on, it's a hell of a coach. That is a great coach, a great leader, Extremely organized, a very good motivator, like Arizona. If I'm a Wildcat fan, man, I'm terrified. But you got to feel so reassured that he said, it's just a matter of semantics right now. We're going to get this done. I want to be here. I've moved around quite a bit. I like it here. This is the place I want to be, which is the best news ever for Wildcat fan. And he's expecting 18 of 22 starters back. And what he has is a development program. Like, he's recruiting high school kids. He's not running to the portal exclusively and looking for the quick fix. Arizona, and I don't mean this as a backhanded compliment. I mean this as a compliment. I don't know that you could do any better as Jed Fish is your head coach. Sincerely. Hey, if you don't take my word for it, take the big head's word for it. He's, like, obsessed with the guy. Long before we had Jed on, big head's always like, hey, dude, I'll tell you who's a hell of a coach. Yeah, I know. I know, Head. Jed. Jed Fish. He's like, right. So when the Big Head's, Big Head, when he's not talking about the Shanahan family, he's talking about Jed Fish. Like, he loves him. And bad news, Wildcat fan, if it were up to the Big Head, the Big Head can't believe that Jed Fish isn't an NFL head coach already. He's done that. He's been there. Like, he hasn't done that, but he's had that NFL life. But I think that he makes such a great point when he says, listen, if you come to Arizona, We can give you a taste of that. We have access to Sean McVay. We have access to Bill Belichick. We have access to Pete Carroll. We can run similar packages. We can let you know. That whole line about, you know, these guys always talking, like they turn phrases and they talk in cliches. I thought that was great what he said. We can't really sell you NIL, although we have a collective and we do have some money. We're not selling NIL. We're selling NFL. I like it. And I like that conversation. What I'm saying to you, Arizona fan, you are really lucky to have that guy. All right, let's take a break. Open phones next segment, 1-800-636-8686. Hey, in fact, start getting your beefs ready. 
the beef segment. The first one of 2024 is the top of our number three. Hit me up on the phones. Call with a beef. 1-800-636-8686. Hit me up with your beef on the X at Jim Rome. Hey, Laker fan, where are you? The finger-pointing season has begun. That all-important in-season tourney win, the one that you felt you had to hang a banner for, three and nine cents. Man, I'd take that thing down right now. I'd burn it. Honestly. That's what you get. It was the worst karma. It was the worst mojo. It was the worst idea. Of course you went right into the crapper after you hung that banner. What did you expect? You're the L.A. Lakers. Who didn't see that coming? Stay tuned. We'll come right back. Phone call is coming up. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Welcome back. All right, so what you want to do is get going. Let's not have the first beef segment of the year going to the tank. Start dialing 1-800-636-8686. We will have it at the top of the hour. You might be wondering about a big head bet segment on Thursday. There is no game tonight. No TNF. A couple of games on Saturday, though. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to the phones. I led the program with the Lakers. And the fact that finger-pointing season has already begun. The biggest Laker honk in this here jungle is this guy. V. In the fee. V, what's going on? Shaquille Romeal, Happy New Year, my brother. Happy Sorry New Year, dude. I'm a little under the weather. I am a little sick. But why is everyone else sick? Why is everyone making a big deal of this whole Darwin scam and LeBald blames? Team locker room disconnect. And they want to fire him. Did everyone forget? Hello, the job is finished. We already won the in-season tournament, losers. And you're telling me you're going to fire the coach who led us there? Do you know how hard it was to motivate those guys during the tourney? Hey, hey, fellas, I know you're tired on D. I know you woke up under a pile of Vegas groupies this morning. But it's time to dig deep and think about that 500 girl, fellas. So get your defensive stance, slap the ground, and yell 500 girl on three. One, two, three, 500, let's go. Man, you're all underestimating how hard it was to win that tournament in the first place. You know how hard it was to win those games on those courts covered in fruity pebbles? I mean, real champs can fight through the colors and rainbows and play through anything. And who cares that we didn't draft uh, Jaime Jaquez? That choker folded in the first round of the in-season tourney. Not us champs, baby. We want guys that can only play in two months of the season. Forget about January through June. It does not matter. So you don't believe me it doesn't matter? Take a look at the freaking Raptors. When June comes around and we're not in the NBA Finals, I'm going to stand in the middle of Staples and point to the Raptors and say, hey, job's done, fellas. IST banner. Scoreboard, losers. Hey, Romy, who's got it better than us? Everybody. My man, go ahead and rack him. I like that. You see what he did there? Rack him! V in the fee was going to call in screaming about something. He just had to decide exactly what it was he was going to scream about. 
about how crappy they are, or he could scream and pretend that it was so awesome that they won that ears invitational. Nice job there, dude. Well done. Rack him. <laughs> he still cracks me up. Happy New Year, V. I've got a former smack-off champ, another SoCal, another Laker honk. Let's go back-to-back. I like it. I like it when we keep it close to home. Silk, bra, My brother, what's going on, Silk? What's up, brah? Greetings from the 805, brah. Paso Robles, a little wine-tasting action, brah. It's awesome up here, bro. Yeah, it is. Good so, for you, dude. About when, dude, we're about to head down to your stomping grounds, brah. We're going to hit the 101 and get down to State Street, brah. There's a place called the Funk Zone, Killer Wines, bro. It's going to be killer. It's awesome. Dude, i got to give you props. You really seem more fired up this year. Um, like, I can tell the difference in your voice, dude. Like, especially on uh, Tuesday, bro, you were shot out of a cannon, bro. I'm stoked on you, bro. I know you're constantly reinventing, but I, you got a lot of piss and vinegar going, bro, and I totally love that. Now, uh, listen up, bro, this whole – oh, by the way – Thanks for shouting out the Village Inn, bro. What a legendary spot, bro. I love that place. Um, listen, Rob Lowe, you know, he's probably spending more time on that new game show he's doing because jungle legend Don Smack Klain worked out Jaime Hawkes for CAA right down the street, and McLean told Rob Lowe, this guy is going to be a rotation player for the next 13 years in the NBA. He's, you know, he's an all-around great player, and they still didn't draft him. I mean, Rob Lowe made moves, but you know what? Laker fans, we are not going to be happy until um, LeBron's gone, bro. He's, he's never been a full Laker. You know, he's not even Byron Scott, bro. You know, great. Thanks for the championship, LeBron. Now, you know, go enjoy your billions. So, you know, it's going to be sad in Lakerland, bro. I think I'm turning around on V and the fees. Pretty good, but I still don't believe many fees in uh, California. Listen, brah, I'm going to shout everybody out for you down in Santa Barbara. Um, war uh, Rock and Fig, RIP. War Dusty Street. War Freddie Snakeskin. I'll talk to you later, brah. Love it. Rack him. Former Smack Off champ right there. Silk bra. I love the way he leads with I'm in the 805 in Paso Robles drinking some fine wine. He's got the wife to thank for that. Bruh. Actually, I love anybody being the 805. Paso Robles is wine country. There's a lot of wine country up there. Paso Robles, San Inez, Santa Barbara. When you get down to State Street, dude, definitely shout out all my former homies in the 805. You know where you got to go, dude. You got to go to Joe's Cafe. Probably the most serious drinks, the most serious cocktails I've ever had in my entire life. Joe's. Old school. Thanks, Joe. I never met Joe. I don't know Joe. I just know those are the gnarliest cocktails I've ever had in my life. I've never seen pours like at Joe's on State Street. I'm assuming it's still there. I haven't been there in a while, but that is the oldest of the old school. State Street's turned over a number of times. For those of you in Santa Barbara, if you're listening in Santa Barbara, you could dial me in. Another place that when I went to school, like, let me take you way, way, way back. Way back in the 80s. When I went to school, you know, like a lot of people, my parents lived in L.A., so if I had a birthday, they'd come up and take me to dinner. Or if I could somehow, some way, get a date, one of my go-to places, and my man Craig Kitchen loves this place, and we still talk about it, the Chase Bar and Grill, an Italian restaurant. And it's moved around on State Street, I think. KTK could tell me more. That's got to still be there. Paradise Cafe still there, right? Or is it not? Another go-to, Joe's, 
Definitely a go-to. I've got lots of Santa Barbara recommendations if you want them. i got to get back up there. I haven't been up there in a while. But Silk's going to be up there rolling through State Street. Bruh. Yeah, why would you need Hawkes if you're the Lakers? Why would you even know about him? I can imagine where he might have slipped through the cracks. I mean, you only had UCLA legend Don McClain working him out, making the recommendation, saying you got to take this guy. I could see where the Lakers might not know about Hawkes. What with him being five minutes away from where they are. Yeah, I know. But yeah, but according to LA traffic, probably 65 minutes. Right, Jeff? When we come back, we got to talk some Colts football. They're still alive. They've had a hell of a year, honestly. Given who they lost, when they lost them, and that they've got a first-year head coach navigating the whole year, the whole thing, they've had a hell of a year. The fact that they're still playing for something in the final week of the regular season is incredible. Got a What's Your Beef segment coming up at the top of our number three. So if you've got a beef, you want to hit me right now, 1-800-636-8686. And to Silk's point of view, yeah, it would stand a reason that if I went to Wisconsin for about a week, unplugged a little bit, got a little R&R, yeah, of course I'd come back fired up. The question is... Are you fired up for a day? Are you fired up for two days? Or is this going to be an enormous year? Are you fired up for the whole year? Answer is, I'm fired up for the entire year and the years going forward. But I appreciate that, Silk. Thanks, dude. Here is a bottom-of-the-hour sports update. Here's Rich Ackerman. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listen up, clones. Not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trappers, original, old-fashioned, teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered. All come in four-ounce bags. That way you can sample different flavors and find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? All right, so we're efforting Dio Odangbo. I'll have him momentarily. In the meantime, I want to remind you, the beef segment's coming up after that. So that's coming up fast. Top of hour number three. We only do it once a week, and we don't do it the entire year. In other words, you only have a certain amount of opportunities to come in here and beef about anything you want on a giant platform. So hit me up on the phones right now, 1-800-636-8686. As promised, right on time. We are joined by a defensive end for the Indianapolis Colts. He is in his third season out of Vanderbilt this year. He has had a great year, a career-high eight sacks, 38 tackles, nine tackles for loss. He's got a couple of fumbled recoveries or fumbles recovered on top of all that. The Colts, meantime, are 9-7. and seven. They're tied for first in the AFC South. They host Texas in an enormous game Saturday. We are joined right now by Dio Odengbo. Dio, it's good to have you on. How are you? 
I'm doing great. How you doing? Good, dude, good. Listen, the postseason is not officially getting underway until next week, of course, and there's so many crazy scenarios that are out of your control, but the Colts really do control their own destiny. It's a big challenge you have in front of you, but it's a great opportunity. How good does it feel to know that you're going into that last game of the regular season knowing that if you win, you're in? I mean, it feels great, you know, uh, being able to play meaningful football this late in the year and, and be able to control our own destiny going into the last week. So, you know, it's pretty much, it's pretty exciting uh, kind of playing this last week that's basically a playoff game. So uh, it's, it's really exciting and definitely a blessing. You know what? On some level, it's kind of amazing that you and I are even having this conversation. And I say that because you lost your rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, week four, and you've dealt with injuries to key, key playmakers like Jonathan Taylor as well as some others. Most outside your locker room had given up on the Colts. I'm curious, what were you all telling each other on the inside when adversity hit and hit again and again? Uh, just sticking to the process at the end of the day. And I think it's truly just a testament to, you know, Coach Steichen's uh, uh, kind of mindset and his philosophy coming in and the way he's uh, gone about his business. And, you know, it kind of just rubbed off on everybody else. So when things got tough, we just, you know, kind of uh, buckled down and worked harder. And so we've been able to put ourselves in a position to play, you know, really important football. Shoot, Dow, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you about your first-year head coach. I mean, all of this is going on, and you've got a first-year head coach in Shane Steichen. Listen, you knew, and by the way, he's done a good enough job that he's in the running for coach of the year. You knew that when you hired him, you were getting a great offensive mind that played a big role in Philadelphia getting to the Super Bowl. What else have you learned about your head coach in his first season there? Uh, I think just his competitiveness. I mean, he's super competitive just in everything he does. Um, and just his drive to be, you know, perfect, just always working to get better, you know, uh, holding people accountable and just um, pushing us to be the best we can be. So it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun this year, and it's, I'm uh, excited for the future as well. Hey, listen, two minutes in, I already know you're all about team. It's going to be all about team. It's going to be all about team goals. But I mentioned your numbers off the top, career numbers, huge numbers, impact numbers what's been the biggest difference for you this year as compared to last year how'd you make such a big step this year um i think it was just uh kind of that same mindset of just sticking to the process and you know when you kind of just build those days and stay consistent eventually uh you know the dam breaks so i think it's just uh building confidence through preparation and just continuing to to work to be better Dad, when did the dam break can you point to when the dam actually broke um, I feel like there were some leaks, you know, last season. We, I, I definitely felt some flashes towards the end of the season. And then, you know, just early this year and going through OTAs and camp, I became more and more confident than just, uh, you know, going through this season and having some big games and, you know, uh, just kind of building them on top of each other. And then you kind of just look up and don't realize, and, you know, you're in a completely different place than you were. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, if you have a process and you stick to that process and you stack day after day after day after day, all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you're in a totally different place. I've always loved that analogy. You know, your background, your backstory to me is really interesting. Your parents, Gary and Betty, first emigrated from Nigeria to England. And then they came to the U.S. in the late 90s. It's clear how determined they were to create a better life for you and your family. How would you describe your folks? What are they like? Uh, they're definitely driven. I mean, they're hardworking, and uh, they they have a high expectation of my brother and I, so that's kind of always been big for us, whether it's been in school or football. You know, they really didn't want us to play football uh, at first. They kind of 
had a mindset of just going to medical school or being lawyers. So, um, but that mindset of just working hard and and always trying to be the best in whatever you do, not letting anybody outwork you, has kind of just transferred over to football and you know kind of inadvertently allowed us both to you know go play college football and me to play at this level you know so what's so interesting is sometimes kids don't get beyond that right they end up following their parents dreams for them or their parents impose their will how did that flip I mean did they ultimately decide if you've got a passion for it and you're going to work towards it we're going to support that ultimately how did they embrace or accept that you wanted to play football honestly I feel like it was we always played sports growing up, but uh, just early, you know, playing, being in Texas and, it, it, you know, football's king. So everybody just around us just kind of saw how big we were and how how fast we were growing. And, uh, you know, eventually we just ended up playing, being in football. And then, you know, for my parents, once you're in something, you got to be the best at it. So it was just once we're in it, uh, there's really no looking back. There's no quitting. So. We just saw how far it could take us. Dad, what if you weren't in Texas? What if you, I mean, it could be Florida, it could be Texas, maybe Cali, but what if you didn't end up in Texas where football is everything? Do you think it might have gone differently, or were you going to end up where you are right now no matter what? Yeah, I mean, there's no telling. You know, life is, the way life can go, you know, one little decision can change your whole life. So, um, I mean, there's no telling. Maybe I would have been a basketball player, who knows. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm just blessed to have, have uh had the opportunities I did and have had everything kind of play out the way it has. All right, so let me ask you this. Given your family's journey to America, how awesome was that Colts game against the Pats in Frankfurt in November? Because not only did you have your first three-sack game since high school, but you did it in front of nine members of your family who made the trip, including some who live in Europe. What was that trip like? That was awesome. I mean, I mean, one, it was awesome to be able to just go to another country and be able to you know, represent football in our country and uh, um, kind of just spread the game. And then also, you know, to have that much family there who none of them, none of that side of my family has seen me play before. So um, it was awesome to not only just see them, but allow them to see me play and kind of introduce them to football as well. And then to have a big game like that in front of them was really special. I was going to say, how well did those who had never seen you play before, how well did they know the game itself? And did they fully appreciate what you accomplished that day? Yeah, I think uh, they've been kind of like learning the game uh, just because obviously, you know, you have a family member who's playing. Um, you know, they've been watching, doing their best to try to learn the game. But I, I definitely think seeing it in person and, and kind of being able to understand everything about it from the atmosphere, you know, the fan experience, just the whole pageantry of a football game. Uh, was really special, and it was a really exciting experience for them and for me. No, I appreciate that. I want to get into your backstory because I think it's so interesting. So before you go, let's circle all the way back. The Colts beat the Texans 31-20 to in Week 2 in Houston, but that was early in C.J. Stroud's rookie season. And since then, as we know, he's become the front runner to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. What did you take away from that game, and then what are you expecting from Stroud and the Texans' offense in the rematch? Yeah, I mean, even in that game, he uh... – Made a, a lot of really uh, special plays and showed a lot of his uh, a lot of his potential and his talent early. So um, obviously he's had a whole season under the, his belt now, and he's pretty much you know no longer a rookie at this point, this late in the season. So just um, uh, you know understanding his strengths and and for us as a D line, just understanding that we need to get to him early and do our best to affect him early and get him off of his game because you know a player that special can be uh, can be a game changer. So. You know, we're excited to just have the opportunity to, you know, play a competitive game and 
and, uh, you know, put ourselves in the position that we want to be. Dio, i got to ask you one thing about your quarterback, Gardner Minshew. I was talking about this viral video. Maybe you've seen it, maybe not, but him and Max Crosby. Dude, yeah. Gardner, is, dude, he is so funny. He, he is so funny. Don't get it wrong, and don't get it twisted. I know how competitive this guy is, and I know how badly he wants to win, but how chill and how funny is this dude, and what's he like to be around? I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, just being around him, he's a... He's fun in the locker room. You can always crack jokes with him. He's never too serious. But, you know, when he needs to, he's uh, he's serious and he's a, a, a leader and a, a voice in the locker room that's very needed. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, having him on the team and just, you know, seeing his the different antics from camp till now and, you know, seeing the special plays that he can make on the field with his arm and his legs. So it's been really fun. Antics is a great way to describe it. <laughs> and you know what's so great about that? It's great. Antics are great if you've got the plays to back it up. Otherwise, right, they're yeah. just antics, and it's not so great. Dial, yeah. listen, really good to have you on the show. I know it's an enormous week for you. Appreciate you making time, and really good to have that conversation. Nice job by you. Thanks so much. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Dial Odangbo. That was fun. Alvy, we got to pull that quote. we got to pull that sound of Gardner and Max Crosby. It is so funny. Like, yeah, I know. This just in, Gardner Minshew is cool. This just in, he's chill. But even knowing him the way we know him, this exchange, him on the sideline saying, dude, Max Crosby, damn, dude, he's angry. And then his response to his own point is really funny. All right, so I left you a moment. I want to make sure that you got yourselves right. And I want to make sure that the XR4TI was right because we have our first beef segment of 2024. And that's coming up at the top of the hour or 10 minutes from right now. The way this works, if for whatever reason you haven't done this before, you can beef about anything you want except for pretty much two things. I mean, even when I say you can beef about anything you want, there's still a beef line that you cannot cross. So I don't want your toilet beefs. For some reason, a lot of you still think that toilet humor is funny. I thought so. And then I turned to eight. So leave that out. A lot of you want to beef and include the JN. I'm not going to say what the JN stands for. Those who know, know and should know better. I don't want to say what it stands for because then others will be like, oh, that's fair game? No, it's not. Just know that's going to get you run. The thing about the beef segment is when I say to you, you can beef about anything you want, It does not mean that it's a run-free zone. You can still get run during the beef segment. Generally, it's kind of funny when people get run during the beef segment because they think it's a safe haven. It's not. There's still a line. All I'm saying is I'm here to let you beef and get something off your chest, and it can be anything you want except for those two or three things. Not asking for a hell of a lot, am I? With that in mind, what's up, Tommy? You all right? You give me the Tommy face like you're frustrated by something, man. The Columbia face. The I, I'm Ivy and you're not. Why, am I put up, why do I put up with all this? It's the beef. <laughs> Tommy says it's the beef segment starts in seven minutes face. I know. It's going to be a fire drill, yo. It's going to be a fire drill. It used to be like when I worked at In-N-Out Burger. And we knew that lunch rush was coming. Or we knew that... Drive time afternoon rush was coming. And then we saw the cars through the parking lot all the way down Ventura Boulevard. And then I would get in and out face. 
or in and out rush face. But then you look up and three hours were gone. It's like the beef segment. Then you look up and 27 minutes are gone. 1-800-636-8686. That was a good use of the alarm alarm. That alarm suggests that something alarming is about to happen. I know it sounds redundant, but we just invented that today. The alarm alarm. The alarm is going off because something alarming is about to happen. The alarm alarm. It sounds redundant, but it's not. What's your beef? When we come back, call with your beef. Write me a beef on email or X me a beef at Jim Rome. That's next. <laughs> 